So um, Cody's been talking about, and I talked about two weeks ago, about the Holy Spirit. We're going to continue to talk about the Holy Spirit. When it comes to a church like ours, we usually get, uh, you know, a lot of persecution for a couple of things. Number one is women preachers. We believe in women preachers, obviously. Pastor Rhonda preaches all the time. She's preaching tonight in big church. Someday, soon, Lauren's going to preach out here, so y'all be looking forward to that. It's going to be fantastic. I've already told her, so that's not a surprise. Uh, We believe in prosperity. Prosperity is a good thing, right? People have abused it, sure, but just because people abuse it doesn't mean that it's not ours because the Bible does say that he became poor, that we could become rich. Jesus died to make you rich. That's a good thing, to set you free from poverty. And then another thing, well, and then also healing. We get a bad rap for healing, even though it's in the word of God. You see where Jesus, the Bible says, all in the gospels, he went about doing good and doing what? Healing all that were sick. So if Jesus did it and then he told us the works that he did, should we do an even greater works to follow those who believe? So that means that we're supposed to be seeing that. And then also, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we get a lot of persecution for the Holy Spirit. I believe in the full manifestation of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And uh, that was awesome. I believe in the full manifestation of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And uh, something about the Holy Ghost and having a relationship with him is just, uh, Pastor Mark calls it the keeping power. And it really is because as we're going to look at tonight, uh, just the Holy Spirit, when you allow him, and we looked at two weeks ago, all the different words that describe him. He's a helper. He's a standby. He's a comforter. He's an advocate. He's a teacher. Uh, and he, he reveals things to us. He's the revealer. And so, but a lot of people, they're estranged from this relationship and they're nervous about it. You know, growing up in church, especially a church like this in Colorado, we saw the move of the Spirit all the time. So it's just something I became very used to and very accustomed to. And then when I started branching out and I left our very small town, I found out that a lot of people don't believe like we believe. They don't believe in running and dancing and being filled with the Holy Spirit. And they definitely do not believe in speaking in tongues. And so tonight we're going to look at Scripture. We're going to give a ton of Scripture for you guys because the Bible says that where the will of God is known, faith can come. And it says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. So this is where I want to start. Number one, the Holy Spirit is a gift to you from your Heavenly Father. Everyone say a gift. And so the reason why I want to start here is because I've heard this argument many, many times. Well, if I open myself up to the Holy Spirit, what other spirits am I opening myself up to? Well, since it's a gift from God and he's the one that sent the Holy Spirit, we can rest easily knowing that if we open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit, we're not going to get anything else but the Holy Spirit. Over in Luke chapter 11, Jesus, he talked about this. He said, if you ask for a a loaf of bread, will he give you a scorpion? And if you ask for, uh, you know, a cup, will he give you a snake? And he says, of course not. Well, the same, when you ask for the Holy Spirit, he will give you the Holy Ghost. Everyone say the Holy Ghost. And say it loud. Say Holy Ghost. Now, y'all got to stick with me. You got to pull on the anointing and the gift of God tonight, all right? Over here in John 14, and I'm going to try to go slow, but it's not going to happen because we have a lot to cover, all right? John 14, 16 and 17 says, and I will ask the Father, this is Jesus speaking, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. Anybody seen Sandlot before, right? Forever is a long time. Well, guess what? The Holy Spirit is with you forever. Over in the book of Hebrews chapter 13, he said, I never leave you and I never forsake you. How does he do that? By the work of the Holy Ghost. God is always with you. He's upon you and he lives on the inside of you, right? I'll be with you forever. The spirit of truth, the world cannot receive him. Now this is key because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you do know him. Everyone say, I know him. Why? For he abides with you and he will be in you. So he abides with us and he will be in us. And so when we worship God and we're all lifting our hands and we've come in here with a heart to seek after him, you can literally, if you get a bunch of people seeking God, you can feel the atmosphere change in the room. And the reason why the atmosphere changes in the room is because the Holy Spirit is dwelling among us. 
And now the room has changed because God has moved in. This is why praising God is important. You know that God answers your prayers, right? I said God answers your prayers, right? But guess what? Praise is even more powerful than prayer because the Bible says he lives in your praise. So he may answer your prayers, but God lives in your praise. The Bible says as you praise, you build a habitation that he lives in, and that habitation is the fruit of our lips, right? And we bring him that offering, and when we do, we build an atmosphere for God to live in. He comes in here, and everything changes. He abides in us and with us, John 14, 16. And I will ask the Father to give you another advocate to be with you forever, John 14, 26. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, now look at this, who the Father will send. So where's the Holy Spirit come from? Now, basic theology, we know that God, the Godhead, is made up of three very real persons. If you remember when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River, the Bible says that the, uh, he came up out of the water. So we have Jesus who's physically coming out of the water. That's the one person, the Godhead. And then it says they heard a voice from heaven saying, this is my son whom I well please. That's God in heaven. And then the Bible says that the Holy Spirit descended upon him as in shape or form as a dove. He's not a dove, thank goodness, because I've killed a lot of doves, but he's not a dove, but he just took on that form as a dove to reveal himself. So you see all three persons of the Godhead being revealed at that moment in time. And you see this all the way through scripture. All right. And so tonight we're talking about the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit. And right here, he said, the father will send him. Listen, if God has sent something to you, you should desire it. If God has offered something to you through the work of Jesus Christ, you should desire it. Now, I'm going to talk about this, and I want you to grab a hold of it because your relationship with the Holy Spirit will change your life forever. We were talking about being led by the Holy Ghost a couple weeks ago, and if you really want to be led by the Holy Spirit, the best way to do it is to get to know Him personally and intimately. You know, my wife, Rachel, when she calls me on the phone, even though we have caller ID and her little face pops up on my iPhone, before we had that, we had flip phones. <laughs> I told Cody the other day, I was thinking about going back to a flip phone because there's just not any distractions with a flip phone. But you know, if I was using a flip phone that didn't have caller ID and didn't have my wife's picture on it, when I answered the phone and she started talking, I would know who it was because we're so close and I know her so well, I recognize her voice. Right? It's amazing, as Cody can tell you, and GW can tell you, and I can witness this, and some of the future parents in the room will understand this, but I remember when my children were little, in the middle of a store, if I was separated from them, when they started to cry, I knew it was my child. It's just very distinct. Why? Because I know them, and they're keeping me up at 2 o'clock in the morning with that cry. I've become very familiar with that cry. I can recognize it. Listen, as you grow closer to the Holy Spirit, the more you're able to distinguish His voice, the easier it is, as Romans 8, 14 says, that the children of God are led by the Spirit of God. The more you know Him, the easier it is for you to discern that voice, which means the easier it is for you to follow God. Amen? And i got to really get going. So Luke 11, 19, and 13, it says this, so I tell you, and this was what we quoted a moment ago, so I tell you, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Who receives? Everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. To him who knocks, the door will be opened. Verse 11. What the Father, or what the father among you, if a son asks for a fish, will he give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? So if you are evil, it's just talking about natural men. If these natural men know how to give good gifts unto their children, how much more will your Father in heaven give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Now this is key, to those who ask. 
So the first thing we're establishing is the Holy Spirit is a gift to us, and that gift has been sent to us by God. The second thing we're establishing is even though we see the Apostle Paul on the road from Damascus get uh, overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit, if you will, and the Bible says he was knocked on his backside and they put blinders on his eyes and he couldn't see, you very rarely see that when it comes to the work of the Holy Spirit. Most of the time he deals with you, it's just very gentle and it's a nudge and it's a leading. All right? So the Holy Spirit is from God. Everyone say, from God. The Holy Spirit is for you. Say, for me. And the Holy Spirit has to be asked for. Say, asked for. All right, we all on the same page? Good. All right. Now, the next thing I want to talk to you about is the Holy Spirit is for today. Now, I asked the band to change the arrangement of the songs tonight. They were going to do that middle song. I really like that song. That's an awesome song. Uh, but I asked them to sing that, that last song, that third song, third. And the reason why is because it talks about revival. Now, if I can just take a moment and tell you guys, I'm hungry for revival. Whether you know it or not, your generation desperately needs a touch from God. They need revival. And I believe the way that they're going to see revival is, yes, through the move of God in a church, but also I want you to contemplate this. Instead of trying to get a bunch of people to church, why don't we get God to a bunch of people? And then if we get God to a bunch of people, then they'll come to church. Right? So instead of going around our school and inviting people to church, which you should be doing, (laughs) <laughs> I'll give you another chance. I know school doesn't start till August 3rd, but when it does, you ought to be inviting all your friends. Amen. But I think you have to understand, God just doesn't manifest in a building that we call church. He wants to manifest everywhere. So as you take God into the world like we've been instructed to, then God will do, people will desire something and become hungry for something, and then they'll follow you to church. Most of the time, <laughs> if I can take a moment, the reason why they don't follow others to church is because when they look at them, they don't see any of God. Right? So then when you give an invitation, follow me to church so you can experience God, and they look at your life and they're like, your life's kind of messed up and a disaster, and you're a hot mess, and you don't have any peace, and you don't have any joy, and you don't have anything of anything. Why would I follow you to church? Everyone say the difference. Ought to be something that looks different about us. The best way that this happens is let the Holy Spirit take control of your life because Galatians 5 says this, when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, then he begins to produce these types of fruit. Love, joy, patience, meekness, temperance, self-control, right? All the good stuff. You know at school you're supposed to be kind. Thank you for your enthusiasm and your agreement on that. You know with your mom and dad you're supposed to be kind to them, right? You know you're supposed to be gentle with your brothers and your sisters, Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Anyways, so the Holy Spirit that we read about in the Word of God is still alive today. And the Holy Spirit that we're going to look at in the book of Acts, he didn't stop moving at the end of the book of Acts. Right? We're going to look at this here in a minute in Acts chapter 2 with the birth of the church and the initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I see where it started in the Scripture, but I never see where it stopped. Ooh, I'll say that again. I see where it started, and I read it in the Word of God, but I never see where it stopped. So what does that tell me? It's supposed to still be happening today until I think it's Habakkuk 4 comes true, that the glory of God would cover the earth like the seas covered, or like the water covered the seas. Right? Has that happened yet? No. Then guess what? The outpouring must continue. So let's look at this. Joel chapter 2, verse 28 and 30 says this. And afterward, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Someone say all people. 
Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions, even their men servants and maidservants. I will pour out my spirit on those in those days. I will show my wonders in the heavens and on the earth. Let me go back two weeks ago. It's amazing how the world we live in, people are willing to believe in all sorts of mystical, magical, weird stuff. They believe in witchcraft. They believe in Ouija boards. They believe in this. They believe in that. And then when it comes to God, the one who actually has the supernatural power to do amazing things, when he starts moving in amazing ways, everybody's like, hold up, this is too much. God starts doing something, and they're like, no, 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 we need to shut this down. Yes, if anybody, if we want to see a demonstration of spiritual things, and let me say this, if it doesn't really fit because God's real, but mystical things. Do you know there's signs? What's a sign? That's something you can read, right? Like you going down the highway and you see exit five right now. You can see that. That's a sign. It very clearly says, you know, when God heals somebody and maybe they were missing a finger and that finger shows back up, that's a sign. You saw something. But then he said he would do signs and wonders. What's a wonder? Something that just leaves you wondering. Like, what in the world was that? Did you know that God has the ability to leave you in wonder? And if you don't believe that about him, then you need to change what you believe. He, he, he wants to pour himself out in ways that just leave us in awe. He is so much bigger than we are. He's so much more powerful than we are. This is the same God that saw darkness and said, light be. And then even till this day, light is still in existence. He is a powerful God. He's a majestic God. And he's a God that wants to perform his power to us. And he'll do that by way of the Holy Spirit. Everyone say, that's me. All right, and so we believe that this stuff is happening. And so the Spirit of God has poured out some amazing things happen. Now listen, I want to say this though. Real quick, when the Spirit of God is poured out, and he just said some amazing things happen. Your young men will dream dreams. You'll prophesy. Imagine if one of you would just stand up right now and prophesy. I'd probably shut it down, but, you know, it'd still be cool. <laughs> your young men will see dreams. Your old men will prophesy. I mean, we should be expecting. You guys, God should be giving you dreams. It's in the Word of God. You should, the Bible says anyone that has faith to prophesy, let him prophesy. Right? These signs and wonders are still for today. But I want to say this about the Holy Spirit because we're going to give an invitation later for you to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and the infill of the Holy Ghost. But guess what? When God starts to move, amazing things happen and we have wonderful experiences. But I want to say this, even if I don't experience anything, I still believe. Because an experience may confirm my faith, right? But my faith isn't built off of experiences. What I believe about God and the Holy Spirit comes from the Word, not my experience. But at the same time, I pray this prayer often. I would encourage you to pray it too. God, whatever you have for me. Come on, let's just say that. Say, God. Now say this. Whatever you have for me. Come on, say it again. God, whatever you have for me. See, I wonder how many people actually believe that when they say it. Actually, what we really believe when we say it is, God, give me whatever you have for me as long as it fits within this box. And then we go ahead and define the box. You say, God, give me whatever you have for me. And then the Holy Spirit's like, all right, lift your hands during worship. And you're like, no, don't give me that. Right? Maybe the Holy Spirit falls on you. <laughs> you know, we get a lot of consternation, a lot of, I think that's the right word, 
a lot of blowback for people falling out in the Holy Ghost. A minister lays hands on them, the anointing is transferred from the minister to the person, and it's a bit overwhelming, and so they fall out in the spirit. They become what we call slain in the spirit. And I know charismatics made up that word. You don't see the word slain in the spirit in the word of God. But what you do see in the word of God is people being so overcome by the presence of God that they do fall out and they cannot stand up. You see it in the Old Testament. You see it in the New Testament. See, either God is real and he has power or he's not and he doesn't. Amen. You remember when a battalion of people went to get Jesus to crucify him? The Bible says it was like 800 to 1,000 people. And he simply stood up and said, I am. And when he said those two words, the Bible says that because of the power, they all fell backwards onto their butts. That's not even laying hands on anybody. That's just speaking word. But because God is powerful, when he spoke the word, they all fell down. And that was a sign and a wonder. That was Jesus saying, guess what? I will go to the cross, but it's because I choose to go to the cross. No man has taken me to the cross. That's where that scripture says, I choose to lay down my life. No one takes it from me. Amen? So Jesus chose to give his life. Anyways, I get so distracted. We got to keep going. And so whether you experience something tonight or not, you have to believe that the Holy Spirit's real. Amen? Whether you speak in tongues or not, you have to believe that the Holy Spirit's real. And the reason I say you have to believe in it, because that's the only way he can help you. And I know we're getting a lot of doctrine, and I'm not up here ironing a steak <laughs> like I did two weeks ago. We're not up here bursting balloons with shaving cream. We don't have any fun illustrations. But this doctrine will really help you for the rest of your life. Because when you have this relationship with the Holy Ghost, he can show you where to go to college. He can show you what car to buy. He can show you who to marry. He can show you which building is safe and which building is dangerous. He can show you all sorts of wonderful, powerful things that are hidden for you, but God wants to reveal them through his spirit. Amen? So we got to grab a hold of this. Everyone say, I'm grabbing a hold of it. And so how do we do this? Well, Romans 1.17 tells us that the just shall live by faith. And so I don't believe in him because of an experience. I believe in him because I have faith. And you have faith, too. The Bible says that God's dealt to every man the measure of faith. You have the capacity and the ability right now on the inside of you to believe in him and to believe in the Holy Ghost. Amen? Acts chapter 2. Now let's get into it. And I'm going to go like, dang. Acts 2, verses 1 through 4. It says, when the day of Pentecost was fully come. Now you probably all heard this scripture. You've heard people talk about it. You've heard people mock it. You've heard people believe in it. In verse 2, it says, suddenly... A sound like a mighty rushing wind came from heaven and it filled the house where they were sitting. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated separated and came to rest on each of them. And they were all filled, someone say filled, with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So here we have the birth of the church. And like I said, this is where we see it start, but we never see it stop. So everyone that tells you that's not for today, ask them to show you where that is in the Bible. Because it doesn't exist. But this is something awesome. Imagine if I'm just up here preaching, and then all of a sudden, a fire cloud just sits on top of you. It'd be wild, and I'd be like, oh, you know, and I don't know what we'd do. I'd get a garden hose or a bucket or something and try to put it out. I'd be totally freaked out by it. But it's amazing. How I believe that God has the capacity to do that. And so we see it here, and then we see that they all begin to speak in other tongues. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. After this prayer... And so there was great persecution, and then all the believers come together, and they pray. And it says, after this prayer, the meeting place shook. Imagine if this building started to shake right now. 
I'm telling you, man, God can do some things. And I think lots of times the reason why he doesn't do those things is because we don't have the capacity to believe in those things. If it starts happening, we're like, no, 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 shut it down. But God is saying, just open yourselves up and let me be the real living God in your life. Let me show you something spectacular. Let me show you something awesome. Let me demonstrate my word and let you experience my spirit right now. So when some wild things start happening in the presence of God, don't shut it down. Let it go. Come on now, someone say amen. See, I'm not here to quench the spirit of God. I'm not here to put it out. I want to help it flow. Now listen, I know everything has to be done decent and in order, but I heard a preacher say this once and it just resonates and it sounds good to me, so I'm gonna say it down. I'd it's easier to cool, I'd rather you be fanatic, why? Because it's easier to cool down a fanatic than to warm up a corpse. What does that mean? I'd rather you be on fire for God. I'll just use me in big church. I'd rather be jumping around and screaming at the top of my lungs and running and dancing and then afterwards, Pastor Mark has to come up to me and be like, yeah, that was a little much. You're getting a little, little fleshy with it. I, I like your enthusiasm. I like your zeal, but you need to just, you're getting a little overzealous with it. I need you to tone down. I would rather people tone me down because it's easier to tone down a fanatic than to warm up a corpse. If you're dead, no one can help you. Right? And I think that's the way we should live our lives. When you come in here on Wednesday night, man, now I'm not telling you, how do you know if it's God? He's glorified. How do you know if it's God? You judge the fruit of it. This is how I know the Holy Spirit's real. This is how I know speaking in tongues is real. For 20 plus years, I've been judging the fruit. And I've seen people's lives only get better as they interact with the Holy Ghost. That's what the Bible says. Judge a tree by its fruit. Right? And if it was producing good fruit, then it has to be from God. And so here it says, the building was shook. Everyone say shook. Is that still a word we say? <laughs> oh, I'm so shook. <laughs> yeah, when something crazy happens, maybe not in that context. All right. Anyways, it says that the building was shook and they were filled. Someone say filled. Look at this. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Let's go over to Acts chapter 8. I have so much scripture for you guys. Acts chapter 8. I don't know how much I'm going to read. Uh, we'll just start in verse 13. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new Christians to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And so we see that they're Christians, but yet they have not received the manifestation of the Holy Spirit yet. All right, y'all see that? And so it says they went and they prayed for him. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon the believers and they received the Holy Spirit. So we see a couple things happening here. Number one, it's for the church, it's not for the world. We all looked at that scripture. They cannot receive from him because they don't understand him. Don't let that be your stumbling block. Oh, I just don't understand this. Don't let, that stumbles the world. That doesn't stumble the believer, right? Because we have faith. And faith is greater than our sense knowledge. What's it called? Tacit knowledge? I think that's the thing. Tacit knowledge. Anybody know what that is? That's only the things that you learn through experiences. It's a real thing. Are y'all looking at me weird? Look it up. Google it. <laughs> it, might not, it might be lasted law. It's, it's something like that. But don't, listen, if you wait to experience God before you believe in God, you'll never experience him. Well, I can't say never, but more than likely you won't. Why? Because it takes faith. You've got to believe first. Everyone say, I believe. And so it says, they laid their hands on them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Now look at this, verse 18. 
When Simon saw it, now if you go back and read, which we don't have time, Simon is the sorcerer. He was somebody who did magic and they even called him the great one with a capital G and a capital O, meaning you're a Messiah, but he was really a fake one. And so he's a sorcerer. And the Bible says that they all believed in Simon the sorcerer because of the great magic that he did. Now look at what Simon says after he sees the power of God. Then Simon saw the Holy Spirit. Simon saw that the Holy Spirit was given when the apostles placed their hands on people's heads and he offered money to buy this power. So you have this sorcerer who does magic, which is fake, and then he sees the power of God, which is real, and he says, let me pay you for that. Now, let me just help you out right now. Something visible had to happen. The Bible says that he saw it, right? He saw something happen. He saw them lay their hands on him, and when he laid their hands on him, they were filled with the Holy Ghost. The only, something had to happen that he could visibly see that the Holy Ghost had filled their lives so much in such a way that he said, let me buy that. And then Peter rebukes him and he said, or Philip, one of them rebukes him and says, you can't buy this, your heart's corrupt. <laughs> Get out of here, <laughs> right? But my point is, is when God performs something, we can all see it. This is the infilling of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of what? Speaking in tongues. Over in Acts 10, 44, we see it again. Over in Acts 19, verses 1 through 5, we see it again. Over in 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 5, and then verse 9, we see it again. They believe and therefore they receive. I don't have time to read all these scriptures to you, but we will go read Corinthians because the Apostle Paul addresses it. Well, we'll just go look at it. 1 Corinthians. Y'all doing okay? Y'all are doing great. I know, like I said, this is just straight doctrine. It's just straight word, and y'all are sticking with me, so good job. 1 Corinthians. Everyone say, I'm not a corpse. 1 Corinthians 14, and we'll just start in verse 1. It says, let love be your highest goal. Like preachers say all the time, we can stop right there and preach. And we can preach for a very long time. The Apostle Paul told the church, let love be your highest goal. Now, the church of Corinthians, just to give you a backstory, was kind of a wild church. I want to be this church, to be honest. Well, minus the, the sin that they had going on, the, the weird stuff. But anyway, I want, when it comes to the Spirit of God and their desire for more of God, I want to be this church, right? And so the Apostle Paul realizes, this is what I was just talking about, it's easier to cool down a fanatic than to heat up a corpse. The Apostle Paul, they were being a little fanatic, and he's like, you guys need to chill just a little bit. Let's get this back in order. And so look at what he says. Let love be your highest goal, but also desire the special abilities that the Spirit gives, especially the gift of prophecy. For the gift of the ability to speak and talk, for if the gift is the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking to God, but not to people. Since they won't be able to understand you, you'll be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will be a mystery. But one who prophesies is helping others grow in the Lord, encouraging them and comforting them. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthening them personally in the Lord, but the one who speaks the word of prophecy strengthens the church. And so what is he saying? When you pray in tongues, you're helping yourself, but when you prophesy, you're helping the church. Now, we can get in here and we can begin to debate corporate prayer services because even the Apostle Paul addresses this. If you're all praying in tongues and there's no one there to interpret and then someone new walks in off the street, they're just going to be confused by it, right? But what the Apostle Paul is saying, and this is what he talked about in Jude chapter 1, verse 20, he says, when you pray in an unknown tongue, you edify yourself and build yourself up in your utmost holy faith, right? When you pray, I'm sorry, it says not unknown tongue. It says when you pray by the Spirit, you build yourself up. Right? And so the Apostle Paul's addressing two different things. Now, this is really key. We're going to get to it right now, actually. If you keep reading in verse 9, 
So he's talking about prophecy, which encourages the church. And I know this might be strange to you guys, but every single one of you could prophesy. The Bible says, he who has faith to prophesy, let him prophesy. If you had faith for it, I could put a microphone in front of your face and you would prophesy. It'd be awesome. But then he also said, if someone gives a tongue in a corporate setting like this, then there needs to be an interpretation. Right? And so he's talking about prophecy and he's talking about tongues and interpretation. But then he slips on over into prayer. And he says, but when you pray in the Holy Spirit, you're building yourself up. You're praying out mysteries and unknown things that God has for you that he wants to reveal to you. And he says, let this be done personally because it edifies and builds up the believer, but let prophesy be done publicly. Now, in verse 9, this is very key. He says that even a prophet or the words of a prophet are subject to the prophet. So what does that mean? That means when a prophet is given a prophecy, God doesn't come and just take them over. He doesn't just come and like, y'all know what a ventriloquist is? Yeah, it's the puppet, right? And uh, Darcy Lynn's a really good one. You should look her up on YouTube. She won American Got Talent or something like that like a long time ago. I don't know why I'm <laughs> just stuck doing this. I think lots of times when it comes to praying in tongues and even prophecy, people think that the Holy Spirit is going to like somehow come inside of us and then he's going to be the ventriloquist and we're just the puppet and he's going to make us talk. That's not the way this works. Right? Even the words of a prophet are subject to the prophet. What does that mean? He has to yield to God, use his faith, and let God fill him with the words that he wants to speak out. Well, guess what? It's the same way when it comes to praying in tongues. Praying in tongues, let's just read it to give context. Over here in 1 Corinthians, keep going. We're almost done, guys. Verse 9. And it's the same for you. If you talk to people in a language they don't understand, how will they know what you mean? You might as well be talking to an empty room. Now, where does it say? Verse, 1 Corinthians 14, 32, remember that the people who prophesy are in control of their spirit and can take turns. So the Apostle Paul, because what was happening in the church of Corinth is everyone was just trying to prophesy at the same time and no one was understanding anything. It was just chaos. And so the Apostle Paul was saying, let one person prophesy. When they're done, the next person can prophesy because remember, they're the ones that are in control. You're in control of this. And it's the same way of praying in tongues. You're in control. You start it. You stop it. You yield to God. You pray. Right? You just go into it. You don't go into it. Now, where you would be in error is if you went to Kroger right now and you stood up on the cash register and started praying in tongues. Because <laughs> even if Jesus was standing there, he'd be like, dude, not cool. What are you doing? You just confused everybody in here. Right? But you can go to Kroger and if you've got a prophetic utterance from the Holy Spirit about someone's life and you can speak to them in tongues and then interpret that and it's actually accurate because you know the voice of God, that's going to change their life forever. Amen. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Well, glory to God. This is what we're going to do. I don't know if Pastor Cody is feeling it, but uh, I think we need a couple more weeks of laying a foundation before I can sense in my spirit that we're not there. So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to pray for you guys. Uh, and then we're going to dismiss. You can stay in here. You can play basketball. You can go upstairs. You can hang out. You can go outside. You can play volleyball. Uh, you can just enjoy the facility. Amen? So if you would, just close your eyes, bow your heads real quick.
Father God, I pray for every single student in here, and I just ask that you would continue to reveal yourself unto them. I pray that that prayer that we said at the beginning of the service, God, let me experience all that you have for me, that that would be a true prayer that they mean with all their hearts. And as they mean that prayer with all their hearts, I thank you that you do reveal yourself to them, that they do experience you in a mighty and a powerful way because you are a mighty and powerful God. I thank you for it, Father God. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Now as your eyes are closed.